Welcome to Stories for Wonderful Children. I'm Dan Wendelin, your host and storyteller. Today's story is a continuation of the tale of the royal twins Ia and Dak. Shan has arrived at the Magic Academy and is searching for the solution to the problem of the shape-shifting caw. After you've enjoyed today's story, don't forget to stop by our pod friend, The Adventures of Power Dog and Dogland, to hear the second part of their story featuring Flippity Gibbet and Flip Flop. Shan slept very well that night and was up bright and early the next morning to go to the place where students usually met the Naga in order to trade for things that they needed. He was with a crowd of other students, and they had been waiting for quite some time. He turned to another student who seemed to be practicing some sort of fire magic that involved snapping your fingers and making a little ring of flame float in the air and then snapping the fingers of the other hand and making a little ball of fire float through the air and make it just through the ring of flame. Shan watched him for a couple minutes and then walked over to him and said, Hi, I'm Shan. What's your name? The young man looked at him and said, My name is Sam. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Sam. Sam said, You're not bothering me at all. I'm just practicing my fire ring spell. And, uh... Shan said that it was going well. And he said, so, uh, what times do you, the Naga usually show up? Sam looked around and said, you know, he's usually been here quite some time by now. Something must have happened. I guess he's not coming today. I'm going to go back to my room. Shan was standing there. He said, oh, great. What am I going to do now? How am I going to find the missing mountain? And how am I going to find those cuffs? He sighed. He said, well... I guess I'll have to go talk to... Well, they don't exactly know if it was the missing mountain. It may be the Forbidden Forest. You're right. You're right. Shan thought, well, let me see. If I were a mountain and I were missing, where would I be? And he thought... Santa's village. You think? Well, Shan decided that if you're missing something, the first place to check is the lost and found. So he went to the school lost and found just in case somehow the missing mountain were there. Now, normally you wouldn't expect a mountain in a lost and found, but this was a school of magic, and so you never really knew what to expect. Did he even know where it could be found that easily? He went to the lost and found, and he looked around. He found a number of interesting and unusual things in the lost and found. He found a black unicorn horn and a gray unicorn horn and a white unicorn horn. He found some itching dust, and some invisibility dust, and some laughing dust, and some dust that appeared to just be regular old ordinary dust. And he found a number of wands of different shapes and sizes, and several robes, and he found one pair of very bright pink polka-dotted underwear, (laughs) and he found somebody's old retainer. What's in a retainer? A retainer is a thing that you put in your mouth after you have braces to keep your teeth in the positions they're supposed to be in. And he found a sort of odd-looking ball with all sorts of buttons on it that he really didn't know what it did. And he had been, he had spent enough time at the magic school to know that it was really an extremely bad idea to just start pushing buttons on something that you don't know what it did. And then at the very bottom 
of the container where all the lost and found things were. He found a little slip of paper. And on the paper, it had four things. It had MM, and then it had a number five, and it had a number, and a comma, and then it had a number 18. Well, what does the comma mean? Comma is a, that little sort of line that separates two things. It sort of goes like this. It's a little circular line. Oh. It separates like two things. So anyway, Shan looked at it for a minute, and then he started to get excited. Because he thought, M.M., that could stand for Missing Mountain. And he thought that the numbers could be coordinates on a map. Coordinates are a way of starting from one point and counting. And so you could find, as long as you know the starting point, you could find any place in the world if you're counting from the right starting point. Now, Shan knew that a number of interesting things, interesting magical things happened on the Missing Mountain. And so he figured that the coordinates were probably the coordinates starting at the school. So he stepped outside with a piece of paper and summoned the wind to take him aloft. He rose up above the school and... I thought you weren't allowed to perform any magic or fly out of you're flying. exactly right. And he had gotten just above the school when suddenly all these alarms started going whoop, 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 whoop. And there was a pop in the air next to him. And all of a sudden, Master Antros was there with his wand pointed right at him. And he said, who goes there? He said, oh, it's you, Shan. You know better. You're not supposed to fly around here. And Shan said, but I think I found the missing mountain. Look. And he showed him the piece of paper. Master Antros sighed. He looked at it. And he said, fine, I'll make a rule, an exception to the rule just this once. But you walk back. You got it? And Shan said, all right. And then... He headed off towards the coordinates. He flew along for quite some time, and he was starting to get sort of sad because he saw no mountain off in the distance. And really, if a mountain the size of the missing mountain had been there, he should have seen it by now. But he decided to fly all the way to the right coordinates, and so he flew there. And just as he reached the right coordinates, he whoop, ran right into something very large and very solid. Fortunately, it was covered with snow. And so when he ran into it, he sort of got buried in the snow, but he didn't get hurt. After he climbed out of the snow, he saw that he was standing on the side of sort of a small to medium-sized mountain. Wow, said Chan, that's really incredible. So, let's see, now that I'm here, let me see. And he closed his eyes for a second, because everyone who went to the School of Magic, one of the first things that they learned to do was to sense the presence of magical objects. Because an important thing for a, for a mage to know is to know whether the thing that he's about to touch is something that is just an ordinary object or some sort of a magical object. And Shan felt the presence of several magical objects on the mountain, but one of them was far closer than the others. So he decided that he was going to go there first. He summoned a little more wind to get him up above the snow, and then he skimmed along towards the object, whatever it was. As he got close, he landed. He was in sort of a flat field with a tree in the middle of it. From one of the branches of the tree hung a pair of cuffs. Around the base of the tree, there was coiled what was either a very, very large snake or a very, very small dragon. Shan was not really sure which. Readying 
himself to throw lightning just in case he needed it. Shan stepped into sight of the tree. The thing's eyes were closed. And so he began to walk towards the tree. He was about five steps away from the tree when the snake dragon's eyes popped open, looked at him. He didn't say anything. He didn't move. It just looked at him. Shan took another step toward the tree. The thing raised its head, and its mouth opened just slightly, revealing a large pair of very sharp fangs. Shan stopped moving. Hello, he said. The thing just looked at him. I, uh, I'm just here to get the cuffs. Would that be all right? The thing opened its mouth a little bit and went... said Shan. I rather guess not. I really need those cuffs, though. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. Which is it going to be? Shan decided that they, that clearly meant they were going to have to do it the hard way. So he summoned a jolt of lightning, just a, the smallest one he could do. He really just wanted to scare the thing off. He didn't really want to hurt it if he could avoid it. And he... <clears throat> zapped it at the thing, and the lightning flew from his hands, and it hit the thing, and sort of danced all over the surface of it, and the thing didn't move. It didn't look like it hurt. The lightning just disappeared into the ground. Shan stood there for a minute. The thing began to move towards him. <coughs> Shan said, uh-oh, and he summoned his wind and went up into the air above the thing, just as it struck the ground just below him. Shan thought, hmm, dragon snakes that are immune to lightning. We're going to have to think about this for a minute. And so he sort of... What does immune mean? Immune means that it doesn't hurt them. They don't even feel it. Shan said, hmm. He said, he noticed that there was something unusual as he sort of sat in the air looking down. And the unusual thing that was that the area he had climbed from had a lot of snow, but the area of the tree was a meadow. It was green. There wasn't any snow in it. There was snow to the north, to the south, the east, the west. There was snow all around it, but around the tree itself, there was no snow. He thought, I wonder why that is. And then he thought, hmm, you know, dragons can go where it's cold because they have the fire inside them to keep them warm. But snakes can't. They don't have fire and they're cold-blooded, and so when it gets cold, they can't move very quickly. And he said, and you know that thing down there, it didn't breathe fire at me. So I don't think it's a very small dragon. I think it's the biggest snake I've ever seen. Yeah, biggest lightning immune snake I've ever seen. I wonder if that thing has a name. I'll have to ask Master Antros when I get back. Anyway, so that means the colder it gets, the slower he is. And if there's one thing I can do, it's cold. And so he looked up at the clouds, and the clouds got heavier and grayer, and then they got whiter, and from the clouds came just torrents of snow, just torrents of it, and it got very cold. Well, everywhere except around Shan, because he was the master of the weather, so he felt just perfectly comfortable where he was, but the snake, which had sort of been crawling around underneath him. He noticed that it was crawling slower and slower and slower. Crawling? 
Yeah. Snakes don't have legs. Right. So they crawl on the ground. Actually, they sort of wriggle. Yeah. That can also be called crawling. Anyway, when the snake had slowed to just so slow that he could barely see it moving, Shan took a little puff of wind to lower himself to the ground next to the tree, picked the cuffs off the tree, gave the snake a little bow, and flew off. When he was about a mile outside the school, he landed and politely walked the rest of the way in. After all, he was a little curious what the thing was that had been guarding the cuffs, and why Master Andros hadn't bothered to tell him about it, and so he wanted Master Andros in a good mood. When he reached the school, he again had to wait for Master Andros, who was lecturing on the importance of using magic only for good and not for evil, and also the importance of having hobbies other than magic. Because if you got just too concerned with just magic, it made you not a very interesting person and not a very happy person. And the students did not appear to be paying much attention to this lecture. Many of them were sleeping, and some of them were drawing doodles that, as far as Shan could tell from the back of the classroom, had nothing to do with what Master Andros was saying. It's a pity, thought Shan. That's really good advice. I wish I had listened when I was hearing that lecture. It took me a long time to figure that out for myself. Ah, oh, well. He waited until the lecture was over, and then he walked in, holding the cuffs. Master Antros smiled and said, That's great, Shan, you found him. That's great, you're headed back to um, lovely e Queen Ea now? In just a moment, said Shan, I did have one thing I was curious about. Um, there was a giant snake poisonous thing that uh, was guarding the tree that these were hanging on. <gasps> oh, said Master Antros, is that where I left them? In the basilisk tree. Of course. That was a basilisk, said Shan. I thought those were imaginary. Shan, my boy, said Master Andros. Surely by now you know that most things that you thought were imaginary are not. And many of the things that you thought were real aren't as real as you think they are. Yeah, said Shan. All right. I'm ready to go home. And so he took the cuffs, he shook Master Andros's hand, and he left, taking to the skies. The next day, or actually three days later, he arrived back in Ia's kingdom. And tomorrow night, I will tell you what he did there with the cuffs and what had happened while he was gone. Thanks for listening to Stories for Wonderful Children. I created today's story, but questions and witty commentary were supplied by my children. The music was created by Brandon Thompson. Your reviews and personal recommendations are the main way that new listeners find the show, so thank you for spreading the word. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to get in touch via email or social media, which are listed in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Dan Wendelin, reminding you to tell someone you love a story. Mm -hmm.